What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Happy Saturday. This is Grip It and Rip It. This is going to be our post-game podcast for the season. The band is back together. I feel like I say that every time we do a podcast together. But honestly, I think this is us in our best state, right? I am Brian Scott Rippey. This is Colin Brister on the other end. We're going to be bringing you post-game analysis, if you want to call it that, all year long. Uh, This is where we were destined to do a podcast, was it not? Outside of baseball season, this is the greatest way to go. What's up, man? Yeah, just throw us on here after I've, you know, watched Ole Miss for three and a half hours and probably said some words my mom's not proud of. You know, that's probably the best state to get me to talk about things in. In the first first (laughs) game, I have not worked in about five years, which I'm enjoying this whole, you know, being able to drink a couple beers, write down some snarky comments on a Saturday and then not be stuck for two and a half hours after the game. Godspeed to all of my friends on the Ole Miss beat still sitting there in the locker room for a Zoom call or whatever. Yeah, how does that work? Are they just doing, like, Zoom calls from the press box, or how does this work? 
I would assume it's just a Zoom call from the press box, which really, really emphasizes the importance of you being there, right? I mean, you got to get the in-person. Zooming. (laughs) Anyway, I am about to probably, once we finish this podcast, go walk down the street and maybe eat a pizza and watch these mid-afternoon games, which is a, a nice freeing feeling that I have in the past. But let's just get right into it. Ole Miss loses to Florida. 51 to 35, a game that was a 14 and a half point line that came down to the final play in terms of Las Vegas. I think you had a lot of interested parties down to the final (laughs) seconds. Um, If you're kind of picking up what I'm putting down, we're going to get into the good, the bad and the ugly of this game. Um, I don't know necessarily. I really like we don't have much of a plan. I think kind of the appeal of this podcast It's just kind of rapid reaction because we are recording this literally as soon as the clock hits zero. Um, So we'll go in a number of different directions with this podcast, but I'll offer a couple of general thoughts real quick, and then I'll give it to you to kind of do the same. Uh, My general thought is, one, I think Florida's really good. I think they got more votes than Georgia to win the East for a reason. Two, I think this offense is good enough to where this season will be fun for fans to watch. I think the defense is a problem. I would like to see him against an average defense or an average passing attack um, because I think the, the matchup issues, particularly obviously with Pitts, but with the other kid on the outside, was just a problem. So my overall thought after watching this game is year one of Kiffin. I think this team will be in enough games to make it fun, but uh, the defense is no good. That's my general thought. Yeah, yeah, the defense is not great. Um Though I think you'll get that average passing attack right against Kentucky next week, and and you'll get to kind of see where you stand. Because look, um, Kyle Trask was really good. Uh, there, there, look, there were a lot of guys that were running wide open. He put the ball where it needed to be too. I mean, that's not always the case. Um, as far as Kyle Trask goes, though, Ole Miss looks like they found them a quarterback. Yeah, you're no, you're leading in right to probably where I was going next, right? Like, so this yeah. quarterback debate is put to bed, right? I mean, this is done with in do, terms do of an just, every down quarterback. Do we just tweet we were right, or, or how does this work? What do we do? I was about to say, so we had kind of a <laughs> podcast break, right? Me and you went through the podcast last fall. You know, we switched out co-hosts, and then obviously I'm not at Super Talk anymore. We kind of sporadically linked up for pods now. But we're back to where it all started in terms of us standing for Matt Corral on a fall Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, do you want to be in, like? Do you want to take a victory lap or do you not? I'll leave it up to you. Look, I, I, I'm not. I just I think Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez should be ashamed. I, I, and and I'm not I'm not saying that jokingly. They should be ashamed for what they did to that kid. Um, frankly, Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez are still at Ole Miss if they play the kid last year, right? I think so. That's actually a really interesting question. I think the answer is yes. But are they in the game against Auburn with Matt Corral? Are they like no within shouting distance against LSU? Like that's an interesting question. I don't even necessarily disagree with you. Just how does that play out? Here's what they do. They beat Mississippi State and, and they're still they're still there. Okay, question. Here's an interesting one. Your mind went to a different place than I did. Do they beat Missouri? You know, he played a lot against Missouri, though, but that's a really good point. Um, but you remember, he he not only played a lot, he got put in the game because after kind of a gift wrap from Missouri on like a special teams play, if I remember correctly, where Ole Miss punched it in, 
Plumlee and that offense did nothing, and Corral kind of sparked them. So if Corral plays yeah. that whole game, do they beat Missouri? It's a good point. I, I I will go to my grave thinking that Matt Luke is still the head football coach at Ole Miss in 2020 if they play him. Um, look, I, I don't want to get into you know back padding or whatever. I, we we said last year that Matt Corral should have been the starting quarterback. He should have been the starting quarterback, um, and good for him today, man. Look, obviously, I'm sure he wanted to win. Um, that's what competitors do. But he's a kid that. Uh, let's just call it what it is. Mullen kind of told him he wasn't good enough um, to come to Florida when he got there in 17. And he goes out today and does what? 22 of 31, 395 yards, three touchdowns. Um, had a good bit on the ground. He rushed for 50 yards. I think he threw one interception. It got batted down. That wasn't his fault, um, at least to me. Um, so just, just excellent. I mean, Plumlee, for all the talking, they're going to see both quarterbacks. He throws one pass, and it's the pass like where you run the sweep and you toss it instead of handling, handing it off just in case it's a fumble. Um, so almost has their quarterback. I, I don't – Frankly, I don't expect to see John Rice Plumley throw the football down the field unless it's just to set up something. Uh, but you know, like this a, is – no, finish your thought. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was just saying, exactly I, I don't right. expect him to throw competitive passes in a game this year because that – or not a ton. Because, look, we saw today, Matt Corral can run. Um, it's not like you put – you when you put him in, you've got a statue back there. So I just don't really see the need for John Rice Plumley to play quarterback to carry the football and, and be electric on offense. Sure, I just don't see the need at the quarterback position. No, you're dead on. And to to your to your point, this is kind of what we saw crystallize this like today. In in my opinion, is what me and you were you and I were talking about last year. And look, I'm not about to like sit on my like we we joke mostly about talking about we are right. We get plenty of things wrong. But we were dead on about this. What you saw crystallized today was a significant gap in arm talent. And in a conventional offense, not named Rich Rodriguez's run spread, whatever you want to call it, peaked in 2007 type of deal, that plays more. And you're, and it's not like Matt Corral can't run. I would say one of the underrated things he flashed today was his ability, his yep. vision after things. Instead of making a bad decision down the field and throwing a football into traffic, he was pretty good running the football. And so I think what you saw today was just the arm, the gap in arm talent that the coaching staff saw during fall camp or preseason practice, whatever the hell you want to call what they had leading up to the season. And that's why this never really turned into much of a battle. And I, I completely agree. Now, the second part of that is Corral wasn't perfect. I thought he played pretty well for the most part. I thought he showed pretty good arm strength. I thought he showed pretty fantastic decision-making for a young quarterback because he's been around Ole Miss for a while now. But you got to remember, he started, what, three games? Four. Wasn't it four? Well, yeah, yeah, four. four. You're right. He started four. So he's he's got four games under his belt. He's done pretty good decision-making. And if he hadn't had an incompetent coaching staff undercut him last year, he'd probably be further along in his development. So I completely agree with you in the sense that you're not going to see John Rice Plumlee throw passes. But to your point, or to what you were saying, to build off of that, where do you go with Plumlee? Because I think there's a right way to use him and a wrong way to use him. There's a way to get him in space and utilize what he does best with the football in his hands and using that foot speed, but there's also a way to do it to where it impedes on Corral's development and the overall rhythm of the offense, yeah, right? Uh, like, you saw it at the end of the second half. You don't need Plumlee coming in to, uh, to oh, him God. coming in to run the two-minute offense, and we can get to that in a second, made no sense. 
But isn't there a way to do this without stepping on Corral's toes, for the lack of a better cliche? Um, because that's yeah. going to be key for them. Absolutely. You don't put him at quarterback. I mean, that, that's how you do it. You put him at running back and receiver and whatever. And, you know, after what I watched today, you might put him at defensive back, for the love of God. Um, so... I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I would ask the kid, look, have you ever hit anybody in your life? Because if you have, I might need you to play corner, son. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just don't – look, I, I have a stance on this, and I don't like it when the Saints do it with Taysom Hill. Um, obviously, we're talking about Drew Brees. His arm strength's going down. I, you know, when, back when Brees was elite, um, I didn't like that they would take him out and put Taysom Hill in the game to run quarterback power. Just let your quarterback play football. And especially with Ole Miss, who has a quarterback in Matt Corral that has shown the ability to run the football, I, I just – man, I don't see the need to put Plumlee at, at running back. At receiver or running back where you get him the football in space and make plays, absolutely. But, I, I frankly, if you want my honest opinion, if I'm Lane Kiffin and, and Plumlee's open to it – now, look, if the kid's not open to moving positions, there's nothing you can do. He's no longer my backup quarterback, Right. Um, Cade Renfro, Kincaid Dent, Grant Tisdale, somebody else is my backup quarterback because I got to get him practice and reps at, at running back or receiver. Don't disagree at all. Where they find a place for them and how they use him, I, I would actually make an argument to some degree that the, uh, the quote-unquote position is probably a little bit irrelevant, right? Right. Because doesn't doesn't he fit well in a somewhat similar role to Tyler Knight? And I knew Ole Miss today under Kiffin – Use and we can, I'm jumping around here. We can get to the Tyler Knight thing in a minute because yeah. I know we were texting about that earlier. But in that type of role where he's out of the backfield, some maybe you hand him the football, some I don't really know what that looks like. But that type of role to where he's probably his best position is on offense, unless you really want. I haven't seen Plumlee play the secondary. I know Georgia wanted him as a safety. I'm not saying he can't play safety. I'm just putting my hand up and saying I have no idea because I haven't seen it and I'm not there anymore to see it but right. at the same time just the finding a way to get the football in his hands if it's on offense I think the the quote-unquote position is irrelevant in how you use him in kind of the Taysom Hill-ish role I hate that's such a cliche because that's become like the, the golden standard of how to use a guy that's a freak athlete but how they use him is way more important than what position he is yeah um I well I I agree to an extent I don't think that position needs to be quarterback um, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're we're on the same page there. I was just thinking between running back, how they use him as a skill guy, not taking the snap is basically what I should have said. Did it did it say anything to you that you know whatever that was at the beginning of the game that drove me clinically insane? Um, that that he was playing receiver some. Um, does that tell you that maybe he is open to a position change? I think that would yes, I would agree because you saw it on the what there was the first play of the game, right? Yeah, they threw the pass to him that he almost made a diving catch on. Yeah, so like that was the first series, first couple plays of the game. I do, I, I think that probably speaks to the willingness of it, and that does speak in terms of Plumley on his own. That does kind of like tell me they're on the right track. They just kind of got to figure out how to use him, um, in that way. And so Corral finishes this game, just kind of finishing up the quarterback dot. Corral finishes this game. 21 of 32 for, hold on, I just had it pulled 350, up. 351, I believe. Yeah, no, th towards the end of the game with the add-up yardage, ESPN has it 22 of 31 for 395, three wow. TDs, and a pick that really was not his fault. Just kind of one of a freak thing that got batted out at the line. In terms of his numbers, like, like 
I hate doing the grade thing, but let's just go ahead and do it. Where are you grading that? Because I'm not necessarily the most optimistic grader on things, but I'm giving that an A+. plus. What yeah. else could you ask uh, a, for? <laughs> a, a plus. Um, and he put up 35 points. And here's what will get forgotten. He ended the game at the goal line, and they got in direct inside the red zone two more times and came away with no points because for some – look, I thought Lane Kiffin was masterful today on offense for the most part. I also think he made some bad decisions asking, look, I get it was fourth and 10 um, asking Luke Logan to make a career long field goal down 17. I mean, I didn't really like that. Um, And then I think it was career long. I know his long last year was only 41 and that was 42. And then that was the only kick he made over 40 and seven tries. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, asking him to do that's just probably not a good idea. Um, and then, you know, the Tyler Knight thing, you run in three times and go three and out, and then you let Plumley run the two-minute drill. So, I'm, look, I'm I'm fair with my criticism, I believe. I'm, I'm, I love Lane Kiffin. I love that he's at Ole Miss. I do think he had some moments today where he wasn't great. Um, that being said, the, the overall offensive scheme and plan was just masterful. Um, and, and I thought, man. They're on the right track. Yeah, Corral looked like a different dude, right? Like just from the footwork and, and just decision making. Uh, man, he just looked like a different cat. So final thought before we let's close this Corral thing, because I actually think this is a fascinating way to look at it. If you're Matt Corral and you're getting dressed and you're, you know, obviously he's pissed he's lost, right? Like, I mean, they're competitors. They want to win. Get all the cliches out of the way. But if you're him leaving the football facility this afternoon and getting in your car and going home and doing whatever else he is going to do with his day. Hopefully sit at home. Don't you kind of feel a sense of peace? Yeah. Because he's come here. Think about this kid. Think about what he's been through. He, He Not been through. But think about what he's had to deal with. He comes in. He's the heir to Jordan Tiamu. They spend all offseason last year prepping him as the face of the program. They take him to SEC Media Days as a freshman. Everyone talks about that being a big deal. They pull the plug on him in favor of Plumley, which is to really no fault of Plumley, obviously, but just to kind of fulfill this unrealistic vision of this smash-mouth spread-run football team that Matt Corral, excuse me, that Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez kind of had an idea of. Because of a rib injury after a bad half against California, you get undercut in your complete development and was supposed to be your first major taste of college football. You go through this offseason. You decide not to transfer. You win the job very quickly. You go out and have this banner day, and now this football team is yours. I'm not saying he's probably happy, but I'm saying he's probably has he probably has fewer thoughts in his head about his future than he's ever had because I think the foundation's there, and I think his 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 future as the Ole Miss quarterback is kind of now colored in front of him, if that makes any sense. And that would have a sense of peace after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you're you're the quarterback, son, um, and and that's just that's it. I mean, you saw it in the second half. He took every snap at quarterback, right? I, I don't remember Plumley coming in after the the botched two minute drive. So. Um, yeah, match your quarterback. And and I think, you know, I just wonder how many people tune in to watch Ole Miss. And this is the last thing we'll say on this. I, I just wonder how many people tune in today and, and saw Matt Corral play um, and were just floored that, that John Rice Plumley was not the starting quarterback when anyone who had kept up with fall camp and, frankly, anyone who had watched Ole Miss in more than the LSU and uh, the maybe the Missouri game, I guess Alabama to an extent, and a little bit of Vanderbilt, I, I, I guess the LSU game's a poster child. Yeah, and it, it just didn't make any sense to me. It infuriates me because did did everyone just ignore what happened the next week in Starkville? Um, Where he got pulled? 
yeah, where he got pulled when Matt Luke's job was online, they put number two in the game. Um, and you and gotta fun- think about it. No one ever does this. And, and to underscore your point, no one ever does this. But when you look at that game from LSU's perspective, they're a national championship team in the season's penultimate game with a bunch of injuries, and they don't really want to be there playing a four and six football team, right? And they, they weren't were, interested in they it. were up twenty-eight. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it just look, I I, I don't Matt Corral, I, I'm extremely. You know what? I, I will say this: I'm extremely happy for Matt Corral. That that kid deserved what he got today, um, because there, there's a lot of things that haven't gone his way, and uh, I, I think he's going to play extremely well at Kentucky next week. And I think, frankly, I think right now, I think Ole Miss wins at Kentucky next week. I think they got a shot. I think Kentucky's good. This is a podcast I topic for another day. But if you want to bounce around the SEC, Kentucky just threw up on themselves. But <laughs> the the thing at the one yard line, they had every opportunity to beat Auburn. I think Kentucky's defense is pretty good. I don't really get the offensive thing. I know they were probably counting on Joey Gatewood. Neither here nor there. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I think Ole Miss has a real shot to go win that game. Let's uh now that we've kind of finished up the quarterback thing, yeah. let's just bounce around everywhere because I do kind of have I've got a little notes app up with just random thoughts I had. You know, you go into this season, the big question is, you know, what receivers are going to be serviceable other than Elijah Moore? Um, I put wrote down one. I actually like the way they use Moore. They they found a lot of creative ways yeah, to get him to in get... space, not just throwing him over the middle. Right. Yeah. No. He was he was extremely good today. Um, I mean, obviously, he gets over 200 yards receiving. So, yeah, I mean. Look, he had a 200-yard game? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. Let me see. No, you are. 10 receptions for 227 yards. Wow. That's actually, I don't, I guess I'm not shocked by that. I just, that number, that number sticks out. Yeah, yeah, he was really good today, man. Um, the so, second part of that, though, the, the second part of that thought was, if we talk about who outside Elijah Moore, I thought Drummond was pretty good. You didn't see a ton of Mingo. You saw Kenny Yaboa at the end of the game when it wasn't really in doubt. But I, I guess if we're giving our, our second grade, I'll give receiving core minus Elijah Moore. I'll give it a B, not B plus, not B minus. I'll give it a B. You yeah, can see we, the seeds. It could be okay. Are, are we including Chase Rogers and Kenny Yabo in that? Yes. Yeah, I think B is accurate. Um, I would have liked to seen a little bit more. Um, does Braylon Sanders still not Sanders? Is it Sanders? Yes, Braylon Sanders. Does, does he still does, exist? Because I had does, to does he still play? Because. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see him out there today. I kind of thought that was interesting. Um, well, you know, he was listed behind Drummond on the depth chart. A, last year, a kid that never really just got a clean bill of health last year. And you could see why. I thought Drummond was really good. He was actually a presence in the middle of the field that Florida had to account for. I thought he was pretty good. I think the what would have brought this grade to a B plus is if you had seen a little bit more of Mingo. And I'm not going to make any hasty judgments after one game, but I would have liked to have seen a little more of that. But, you know, after a year last year where you literally had no other option than eight, I thought the seeds were there where they'll be okay at wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. They and do. they're I, in the receiving court, tight ends I included. Think, I think people thought last year that Drummond could play. Um, you know, people that weren't named Rich Rodriguez, but, you know, people. And and he showed today that that he's going to be a very big part of this football team if, if they're going to have success. And, and I, I think that's a good sign. He, he was really good today. Oh, um, no, yeah, no, you're exactly right. So I think uh, I think Drummond and Mingo are probably kind of the two poster children in terms of the incompetence of the scheme last year, right? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, the, the two that were the biggest – the two who were disserviced the most by whatever Rich Rodriguez was drawing up were those two because they're competent SEC receivers that just never had a shot last year. 
no, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, obviously Matt Corral probably fits in there somewhere too. Um, but yeah, no, I'm fine with that. So yeah, I don't want to look, I, I think there was a lot of things to get excited about today if you're an Ole Miss fan. Um, so I don't want to spend time harpooning on Rich Rodriguez. Um, I guess we can get into some things that were not exciting for uh, if you were an Ole Miss fan, which was that that defensive performance. What did you think, though, before we shifted to the defensive side of the ball? I thought the offensive line was okay. I they didn't they have much, much of a presence running the football. Um, I thought Ely – sorry, I should have been a middle, midway through the game. And I said, does Ely look a step slow? And he said, no, he doesn't look a step slow. He just looks like he's being too patient. And I think that was a much better way to describe what I was thinking. Yeah. He ended up having a productive game, but you never saw Ely get loose. No, you're, you're right. Um, I think that's a really good way to put it by Ben. He, he didn't look like he had that explosiveness, but it, it, he they challenged him this year. I do know this. They challenged him to be a, a, a more patient runner. Um, last year, he, he didn't let things develop. And I do know that was, that was a challenge for him this year. Um, so. We'll, we'll see going forward if he can kind of combine all that. I thought the offensive line was extremely good in pass protection outside of uh, – look, I know Corral got sacked I think three times. I think two of them were missed assignments rather than getting beat, um, which obviously you don't want to miss assignments, but you can clean up assignments. You can't clean up a 310-pound tackle throwing you around. Um, so I, I thought in pass protection they were really good. I thought there was a little bit to be desired in, in running the football, but I didn't think Ole Miss was bad running the ball per se. I, I just kind of think they were average. Um, but, yeah, I thought the offensive line, if you know you may be, give them a grade, I think I'd say B too. I, I thought they were pretty good pass protection-wise. Yeah, so Ole Miss ends the game with – this is great podcasting. They end the game with 170 yards on uh, 45 touches and two scores on the ground. You had five guys total touch the football. If you take out Plumlee and Corral, it's three dudes and most of the rushing still there. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think I would like to see just it be Snoop Connor and Jerry Ely. I don't yeah. really understand the Tyler Knight thing. And I'll let you have the floor here because I know you didn't like the schematic. Thing. I don't think there's any way to defend it. You're not the only one. I'm going to give Kiffin a little bit of a pass in the sense that, like, weird offseason coaches are going to make mistakes all over the country. But the way this game really turned in terms of getting out of hand for Ole Miss is it's 14-14. You run 5-6 Tylen Knight, who's stronger than me, I'll admit, but probably not that much taller in between the tackles on third and short. You punt it away. Florida scores twice and doubles you up. And then you have, or you, you, they score, you have Plumlee run the two minute offense and then that doesn't work and they score again. And then the games you're just playing from behind the rest of the game. That's where this game turned. I'll give the floor to you to talk yeah, about the dramatics yeah, of it because yeah. it didn't make sense. Well, it, it, it infuriated me because the defense forced, I think what two punts today, maybe one. Well, they forced one of the punts. You get the ball back. It's 14 to 14. You come out. You hit a pass play to Elijah Moore, you get to the 20-yard line. Okay, you're rolling at that point, right? And look, I'm not a big momentum guy, but if you do believe in it, you would think it's all on Ole Miss's side right there. And you come out and you hand the ball to Tyler Knight three straight times. And it's not like a lot of people are you know, doing, well, it wouldn't have mattered on that third one if you gave it to Jerry Ely. Correct. But if you'd have given it to Jerry Ely on first and second down, you probably have a first down because he's a good SEC running back. And God bless Is that Tyler even Knight. correct, though? Because you have a better chance of going over a guy or piling over a dude well, and making one you, more you miss gotta, with Ely. You, you, you got to remember that hit on third one was vicious. 
Um, but is it vicious because it's a guy that's five six? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But still, I, but it, my thing was they wouldn't have been in a third and one with Jaron Ely because he's a really good running back and Tyler Knight missed a hole um, that I don't think Jaron Ely misses. I just did not like that Ole Miss was throwing the football with great success and you come out and you hand the ball to Tyler Knight three straight times. Um, and then the next drive, you give up the touchdown. And you and I know he didn't throw a pass. I get it. But there was just something off about that offense when Plumley came in. I mean, it was false starts. And then you're running the football three straight times in a two-minute drill when you're down seven and Florida's getting it after half. It's just like, what are you doing? I know one of them was technically a pass. It was a speed sweep. But still, it's the game changed real right before halftime. But it, it did. And that's where Ole Miss lost the game. But to your point, you talk about, like, I, I just don't understand. And, again, I'm not going to – I, I, I kind of hold off on crushing – these oh, dudes for schematic decisions game one but to your point that is where the game turned i'm just curious what the logic is behind that being the series you let Plumley take the reins one and two particularly considering Ole Miss's best offense today was corral driving the football down the field in the passing game so why completely eliminate that by having corral excuse me by having Plumley play quarterback i just don't understand that yeah i, I didn't get it and i'm sure you know you asked Lane Kiffin or Jeff Levy, whoever made that decision, they probably would tell you it was a mistake. Um, look, Lane Kiffin, I think, is going to win at a pretty decent level if he stays at Ole Miss long enough, and I have no reason to believe that he won't. Um, and this is my thing, and this is a broader discussion. You can't, you can't criticize Lane Kiffin or anything nowadays without – someone thinking you're completely against them. I thought what Ole Miss did from a preparation standpoint and a scheme standpoint on offense was masterful. I think Lane Kiffin or Jeff Levy made some bad decisions. Can two things not be true at one time, you know? Um, they can. It's going to happen. It's week one. They had yeah. a weird offseason and no tune-up game. Sure, it's going to happen, sure, but that doesn't make it any less true. No. I, and look, a lot of people made bad decisions today. It is what it is. Uh, and, and, you know, you can disagree that it was a bad decision. That's fine. I don't I, – I think that, that Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy had a great game plan. And just, look, first game, whatever, they, they, they're they human beings. They get to make mistakes too. Um, so, we'll see going forward. I, I, I think, you know, if you – I think the thing Lane Kiffin will bug him the most was kicking. And I think the game was probably out of reach at that point. I think him kicking that field goal will bother him the most. If you're an Ole Miss fan sipping on your brown water mid-afternoon, maybe you're listening to this later tonight when it comes out. I don't know. And you're thinking we're being too rosy about this picture. Let me just walk you back to a mere 300-ish days ago. And you know what you didn't see today? Plumley right, plumley left. Elijah Moore five yard out where the ball's thrown in the first row of the stands. Punt. But <laughs> with my boy, bad boy, Mac Brown, hey, which he, is probably the I, highlight of last yeah, season. But that's thinking, what you did not see today. You saw hey, offensive competence, and that should make Ole Miss people happy. Ole Miss has a punter. Mac Brown is a – and I'm being serious here. He is a legitimately great punter. Hell, yeah, he's got knives in his socks. <laughs> sure, right. Sure, up. Anyway, we last talk thought, about defense. Yeah, I was about to say. So, but, but any any kind of final encompassing thought offensively before we go defense? I thought to your point, yes. Like as we mentioned, the whole the second half is where the game was lost, and I yeah. think it, it was a combination of defensive, the defense just being bad and schematic mistakes in terms of we just rehashed it and we just went over it with 
the Tyler Knight thing on the third and short, and then having Plumlee run your two-minute offense, Florida doubles you up, and then scores another time out of halftime. And the game, for all intents and purposes, is over, even though Ole Miss hung around and credited them. That's where this game was won and lost. But at the end of the day, Florida is the number six team in the country for a reason. They got more votes to win the East than Georgia by the media for a reason. They're a good team. All that aside, as you mentioned, two things can be true at one time. I think Ole Miss is on the right track. And as we go back to my macro thought at the beginning of this podcast, this offense is going to be exciting enough to make the season bearable. Well, look, before we get a little, well, I guess we can start on defense with this. Look, that offense put up 35 points on Florida today. They're going to put up points on Arkansas and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. I think they're going to put up points on South Carolina and A&M. Um, there's not a ton of quarterbacks in this league that are better than Kyle Trask. I don't know if there's one. Um, you're not going to give up 51 every game, even as bad as this defense was. You put up 35 in a lot of games, and, and you're not going to see a ton of defenses better than Florida, in my opinion. You keep putting up 35, you're going to win some football games. Agreed, dude. Agreed. And, they're, and Florida, again, Florida's good. I just keep – I keep rehashing it over and over again. I agree. I think Florida's good. Two things can be true at once. I think if you're Ole Miss here and you're an Ole Miss fan and you're kind of upset about the way things went, but you're kind of positive and you're trying to figure out how to feel, don't undervalue the fact that you what you watched on the field seemed to be a coherent collection of <laughs> thoughts and a plan. Because last year you didn't have a plan. And I think the existence of a plan and a foundation being laid even to the layman's eyes, is something to be celebrated because it did not exist last year. That would yeah. be my final thought on the offense. Yeah, I'm completely with you there. Let's go on the defensive side of the football. Where oh, things were not always great. And when I say not always great, the defense has issues. You knew the pass rush was going to be a problem yeah. coming into the year. Ole Miss did not have a pass rush. I'm not sure one more – I'm not sure one play – crystallized that whole thing more than at the beginning of the second half when Ole Miss really needed to stop. They brought a safety. I want to say it was Jalen Jones down on a safety blitz to get pressure on Kyle Trask over the middle of the field. And they didn't, excuse me, he completed a pass to pitch over the middle of the field. And Ole Miss brings a blitz and does not even sniff the quarterback. Like <laughs> it was a good blitz pickup by Florida, but Ole Miss did not even sniff it. And I think that was probably the perfect encapsulation of what's wrong with this defense is you knew the pass rush was going to be a problem. Getting to the quarterback was going to be a problem. And it was going to put a heavy burden on a secondary that you thought was going to be improved. And to be honest, they played very poorly today. Uh, give me a secondary grade, I go C minus. You give me Ooh. a uh, defensive line grade, I'll go C plus. That's uh, a little high for me. Um, Frankly, I, I thought they, I thought the linebackers were okay against the run, not good uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I thought Lakia Henry in space got exposed at times. Frankly, um, I did. The tackling was obviously poor. I think I would give D's to uh, to both of them. I, That's I, fine. Maybe this maybe this white claw is just making me optimistic. <laughs> but you know, uh, the defensive line was not good. I did not expect the defensive line to be good. The secondary was atrocious. I didn't expect the secondary to be atrocious. Now, I get it. Your defensive line is not good, so it makes your secondary bad. But there were times there were one-on-one -on -one plays to be made, and Ole Miss's secondary time and time again didn't make them. Yeah, Jalen Jordan I thought was very bad. Um, Jalen Jones wasn't. 
very good. And none of yeah. those dudes, particularly in safety, I know you don't count on corners much, but a couple of those safeties that they're kind of given a little bit of res- run responsibility to at the line of scrimmage just were not very good. What was it? Was it Jay Stanley or AJ Finley? Maybe I missed. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's Finley that one missed of them. the tackle. Yeah. Yeah, at the line of scrimmage, and yeah. the kid goes for forty plus. Like it just wasn't good, and they're going to have to be better because you knew the def- You knew the pass rush was going to be an issue. And to your point, that's where I saw the game playing out. In that sense, was the fact not only was the fact that like the defensive line stunk, it put an increased amount of pressure on the secondary, which I thought would be the case, but the secondary was not even close to up to the task. I think that's where this game was lost, was the secondary was worse than I anticipated it being. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. Um, Secondary was atrocious. Um, And, you know, it's first game. A lot of people, I saw some tweets, um, people mad at DJ Durkin. I don't really think it's time for that yet, um, by any stretch of the imagination. I, I... I didn't think Ole Miss's scheme was necessarily awful. I, I think Ole Miss just doesn't have much talent on the defensive side of the football right now. Is it, though? Because, okay, so I someone tweeted me at this earlier. It, it, you know, Mac, Mike McIntyre was the whole do less with more thing, keep things simple. In a vacuum, does he put up a better effort against Florida yes. with kind of his simplistic scheme? I would say yes. Yes, because Mike McIntyre's a better defense coordinator. Um, but I don't necessarily think that means dj durkin is a bad one uh or even below average i think dj durkin's a good offensive coordinator i just think mike mcintyre was excellent last year and probably uh should have been given a nobel peace prize (laughs) i'll get behind that mike mcintyre for the nobel peace prize yeah it just even kind of was what it was and you talk about the linebacking court being okay look dj durkin and Chris Partridge have forgotten more football than I'll never know. But from a layman's eyes, did it was it not completely and utterly clear a couple of times to where if the linebacker didn't make the play, it was over and the guy was yeah. gone? Because yeah. that happened four or five times where you saw Lakia Henry either get blocked or Momo Sanogo get blocked or one of them, God forbid, miss a tackle and it's just off to the races. Yeah. I I don't know, man. It's it's so hard for me to gauge because Look, the, the the players on defense are they're just not there right now. I mean, Tarikas Tisdale's fine up front. Sam Williams is good. I didn't think they need uh, Sam Williams to get in shape though and be more of a more consistent threat. Yeah. I know he dealt with everything in the off season and he's behind the eight ball, but he has to be a more consistent three down pass rush threat than he was today. You give him a pass today, but he's he has to be better. Yo, no, he was not good today. I think he is a good player. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. Sam Williams doesn't play well. This defense has no prayer. Um, I didn't think Lakia Henry was good. I thought that might have been your biggest problem with some things is Lakia Henry did not have a good day after having a really good year last year. So, yeah, I mean, look, I want to see them play a quarterback that's not Kyle Trask. I think Kyle Trask was really good. I want to see them play the quarterback against Kentucky who couldn't really do anything a ton against Auburn today. Uh, and I think we'll have a better feel, right? I mean, you play one of the better quarterbacks in the league, you play one that's probably not near as good uh, next week in Kentucky, and you kind of see where you stand. Absolutely, dude. And, like, like to your point, I mean, like, Grimes is really good. Pitts is probably the best tight end in the country. It was a matchup nightmare in terms of a first test for the secondary. So what do you take away from it? You know, you kind of take it with a grain of salt because that might be the best set of skill position players not named Alabama they play all year. Is that unfair? 
No, no, I think that's fair. As it pertains uh, to the passing game. Sure. No, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know. I mean, Auburn has a top five pick at wide receiver, top ten pick at wide receiver. Um, other than that, I can't. I mean, nobody at Mississippi State, really LSU, uh, Particularly with Chase opting out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm fine there. Uh, I'm trying to think of any South Carolina, Kentucky. Who's the other East opponent? <laughs> I'm just looking Fairable. at the stats. God, no. Pitts, yeah, no, God, Pitts no. had four re- eight receptions and four of them were touchdowns. Jeez. I mean, he crushed them. That was where this game was won. Every time Ole Miss needed to stop, other than that horse shit, uh, driving him oh, into the ground tough. penalty on Momo Sinogo that would have kept all Ole Miss betters alive and Ole Miss somewhat <laughs> in the game. Like, that bullshit call. The game was really just backbroken repeatedly by Pitts getting open in the middle of the field. I say middle of the field. It was mostly just downfield. That was where this game was won and lost. And, look, I'd like to – like you're, like we keep saying, I'd like to see Ole Miss against the average SEC offense first. And not one quarterback by an you know quarterback by an experienced guy with really good weapons on the perimeter. So you know you'll kind of get a better litmus test next week about what you can expect with this team in the first week. But man, the defense is going to be a problem. They're going to have to get, generate more of a pass rush than they did today because Florida's offensive line is good, but it is not top two in the SEC, and they're going to have to be have more consistent pass rush because what you saw today is clearly the secondary is not going to be able to handle it if they don't. No. Yeah, no, they, they have to get more pass rush. The uh, secondary has to play better, frankly. Um, it, I just, you know, it's kind of hard to say what this defense is and isn't because I do think uh, Dan Mullen called a really good game today uh, besides being an absolute idiot with the Emory Jones stuff, but whatever. Um, what is the point of that? I mean, Emory Jones, you bring him in after Trask has moved it up and down the field. You let Emory Jones throw a lollipop where, was it A.J. Finley? Was just yeah. like, thank you? Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll take that. Um, hold on, just a second. Yeah, like I just I don't understand that. Like I, I I don't understand the the appeal of bringing in the backup run quarterback when your primarily primary quarterback is just crushing it. And like I just I, that seems to disrupt your offense. But anyway, the kind of I mean the defense kind of is what it is. I'd rather I hold reservations till next week and they play in uh, in a more. Uh, Average offense, I would say. The last thing, and I don't mean to be an ass, but Ole Miss has got to figure out something in the kicking game. And I get the personnel isn't there, but I texted you earlier. You saw Cole McPherson, who's probably one of the best kickers in college football, drill one for 55. And I say this somewhat facetiously. If you gave Luke Logan a 55-yard field goal and two tries, and he was allowed to kick the second one from where the first one landed, could he convert? Because I would bet no. Let me ask you this. If if you had uh, told Lane Kiffin today, that uh, he had to kick a 52-yard field goal to win the game before the game would he have taken it? No, I throw. I, actually, you're asking what Lane Kiffin would do. Myself would throw a hail mary. I don't know what Lane Kiffin would do. <laughs> Just throw a hail mary for the 35. I mean, no, seriously. If you're talking about statistical odds and you're talking about what you would yeah, bet I'm on being you. more successful, would you not? Yeah, okay, I'm with you. His career long is I, – I, I hate to pile on the kid, okay. but his career long is 41, no. and that's the only one over 40 he's ever made. He no, was one of seven from beyond let, 40 last year. In major college football, you can't do that. Let, let's, let's do it. If Ole Miss is down two with five seconds left, where is the farthest Lane, kicking, Lane Kiffin would kick the football from? Inside the 10. <laughs>
inside the 10. No, he would kick a 45-yarder, I think. Okay, he might kick it, but they're losing the game. Probably, but I think it's a higher odd than you complete a 28-yard pass. Dude, come on. You saw Cole McPherson. You saw that 55-yarder. Notice the height on the kick. Like, he kicks the 55-yarder, then he follows it up with a 37 that almost went over the net. Like, Luke Logan's kick never got more than 20 foot off the ground, and you could punch it through a tree if you missed the fairway to the left. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You're not wrong. But that's gonna if they're gonna be if they're gonna be a fun team and in a couple close games, I get there's really not much to figure out because the reason Luke Logan still has his job is literally because no one else is left. Ask anyone around the program. I mean, we talked about it in the offseason. I mean, he was eleven of nineteen last year. That's not good enough to keep your job. The only reason you're keeping your job is there's no one else there. That's a problem for them and a big one. Do you just do you hold a open open student tryouts? Teams have done that before. Florida did it a few years ago. I mean, you either I, do that or you just go for it and say balls to the wall. If we're across the 50, buddy, it's four down territory. Oh, I would have absolutely gone for the uh, field goal they kicked. That, that wasn't even a question. <laughs> Me too. I, yeah. I couldn't believe they kicked that. Honestly, and, and I get and Kiffin 11, trying no. to give his guy a try, but I wouldn't have done it. But we also watched the last two years. Yeah, four, fourth and 22. Okay, I, I, I can live with that. Fourth and 11. No, no, we're going to go for this. Yeah, throw it across the middle. So, Anyway, wrapping up, we hit the defense. We hit everything. All in all, if you're an Ole Miss fan trying to figure out how to feel, I think this is going to be a fun offense that's going to keep them in games, and it's going to be a, a fun season, and you're going to kind of see the blueprint laid, and you have a plan. And I think that's something, if you're trying to find, you know, you're lost in the wilderness with Matt Luke, you don't understand why this team continues to be mediocre, I would say that's kind of there. The foundation was set today. Like, you're kind of seeing the plan in place. They're going to be a fun team to watch this year. They may win three games. They may win five. Hell, I don't know. But it's going to be exciting. Brian, Brian I, have, I have breaking news. Okay. Arkansas leads Georgia. Hell, yeah, they do, because Florida's winning the East. <laughs> Arkansas has a lead on Georgia. Let's go. Like, let's, I'm all for the weirdness of college football. <laughs> this is going to be a weird season. But do you have any final thoughts? That was my takeaway for today. This is going to be a fun offense. If they can get the defense a little bit better, they're going to stay in a lot of games and have a crack at it. And they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch while doing it. No, I, I kind of I just kind of echo that. I, I think they're going to be really good on offense. I think the defense is a work in progress. I think they get better throughout the year. And uh, you hope to God you don't have to make any field goals to win a game uh, or you're in trouble. So um, I, I just I think the offensive performance today, I keep I keep going back to I think it was just masterful from a preparation and a scheme standpoint. So um, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, look, I, I think this is the most excited you, you can probably be almost football since man honestly since they walked or came out to play florida state in 2016 we'll be back at it next week i echo your thoughts completely you and i'll be back at it next week whenever old mrs kickoff is i think it's a three o'clock kickoff three something o'clock. i don't know yeah. that'll be more time to dip into the brown water but we're <laughs> going to be doing this random assortment of thoughts after every game i think that's the beauty of it just get on and act like you're talking to a friend over text minus the swear words even though we don't have to have fcc violations on this that's not a thing i looked it up but we'll be back next week i appreciate everyone listening you'll have a happy saturday i'll have a column up tomorrow morning kind of a similar thing to this podcast kind of the good the bad and the ugly at oldmissspirit.com you can follow colin brister on twitter at colin brister come hang out with us next week enjoy the rest of your saturday and uh have some fun i appreciate it dude this was cool absolutely man see you
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.